Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. How's everybody doing? You guys are in, in the cave of wonders right now. Can we turn the lights up in the audience a little bit? The cave of wonders. The diamond in the rough. Uh... Let's be praying for, for Pastor Chris and his faith. If he had faith, we'd have the water baptism. Well, <laughs> if Jesus was here, I'm like thinking about the implications. He's here. He's among us. He's with us. So pray for Pastor Chris. Uh, we're we're, we're going to be covering him. And uh, if this is your first time to New Life Church, we're, we're glad you're here. Um, we're going to have a fun Sunday this morning, uh, going through something that really God's just been taking me through in this past year, and uh, something I, I, I've been walking in. You know, we, we finished up our series on the Holy Spirit last week. Did you all enjoy that? Um, you know, that's good. This guy. Where, here we go. Yep, there we go. Brenna, she loved it. Uh, you know, something that, that I kind of learned as I was studying and God reminded me of is that the role of the Holy Spirit is to bring power to our testimony. He brings power to our testimony first by raising Jesus from the dead. If he didn't raise Jesus from the dead, there's no power in our testimony. But if he's raised Jesus from the dead, that means he can raise us from the dead. That means that dead places in us can come to life. But here's the truth. You can have no resurrection in your life without crucifixion in your life. There's no resurrection if there's no crucifixion. And so something that God's been taking me through and I've been walking through, what are the areas in me that God needs me to be willing to put to death so that he can bring life to those areas, amen? And so this morning, I've got a message for you entitled, Pay It Forward. Turn to your neighbor and say, Pay It Forward. Before we do that, uh, we're gonna read the scripture here in a moment, but after service, I wanna highlight something for you guys that I'm really, really, really excited about. If you know me at all, you know that one of my biggest passions in life and in church is life groups. Uh, we have kind of paused our life groups this past year, which killed me every week. Uh, Chris can, can attest to that. That's all I ever wanted to talk about. And why? It's because there's no other context for the, the outworking of your faith than in community with other believers. We are not meant to be on an island. We're meant to be in community with other people. So y'all, this weekend, everybody say this weekend. Everybody say after service. We have sign-ups for you guys. You can join some life groups. We've got some, some things going. We got sisterhood. Callie, she's very excited. We got sisterhood that's kicking off. And Something, I'm going to steal one of your lines. She said that we need to be uh, more focused on soul care than we are self-care. Can I get an amen, somebody, on that? I think that's good. I know I stole one of your lines. I'm not even sorry. Uh, sign up for sisterhood because soul care is the best self-care. Can I get an amen, somebody, on that? Uh, we got brotherhood starting back up. Where my fellas in the house at? Give me a hoo, hoo, hoo. Uh, Brotherhood. That's going to be starting back up, and we're going to be talking about how do you read the Bible for yourself, and how do you pull truths out of the Scripture for yourself, and so we're going to be doing that early morning, 6 a.m., where are my early morning people at? Does anybody feel like they got hit by a truck this morning? Anybody, anybody else forget about daylight savings time? Come on. I'm like, why am I so tired? Why does this hurt so bad? <laughs> it's prepping you for brotherhood, all right? Uh, we got that going. Young adults, we got a young adults life group that's kicking off. We got our care outreach team. They work with uh, CityServe, our partnership. 
Uh, basically, if you know somebody who has needs in the community, this team wants to know about it. We want to get in. We, we have access to millions of dollars worth of goods, right, Justin Marius, uh, that we can distribute. And uh, it's pretty amazing what God's done. If you want to hear more about that, come talk to that team after church. We got our two fish, five loaves team. They are outside cooking fish right now. There's me fish available after this service. If you just love to fish, hey, that's a good team for you to sign up for. We got a reading program, right, Heather? We got a reading program. Yep. If you want to help kids learn how to read in the inner city, jump in with her. It's going to be amazing. We got home team. Everybody say home team. They're the ones who at some point will make coffee again and greet you at the doors. They do that now, but Pastor Chris and a few others oversee that team. And then we got our Lid Life and Kid Life Ministries. Don't call them child care. All right, it's not child care, it's ministry. So if you love kids and you want to get engaged in that, we'd love for you to do that. So I know that took a long time, but it is important. Okay, y'all ready to get into the word? Come on, y'all ready to get in the word? Okay, awesome. They're excited, they're jazzed. We're ready to go. All right. Jubilee, could you read our passage for today for us? Um, this is Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as, his, as was custom, went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your goodness and all the amazing things that you've done and that you've got planned for us. And so, Jesus, we honor you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your leading. And, Father, we thank you for all the good things that you bring us. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Come on, everybody said? Amen. All right. Tell me if you've heard this one before, okay? You go to Starbucks. You order a black coffee. Costs $3.31. And the barista says to you, the person in front of you paid for your coffee. Would you like to pay it forward? Has anybody experienced this, this blessing? Got one, two, three, four, five. Okay, a few of us. A few of us have experienced this. Well, here's what happens. I used to work at Starbucks many moons ago, and I've seen this so many times. <laughs> the person would be like, or literally, black coffee, no cream, no sugar, $3.31. And they'd be like, well, how much is the person's behind me? And they're like, $63.82. Do you want to pay it forward? And they're like, nah, like I'm good. And they drive off, right? Because here's the truth. He came in contact with a blessing he was being asked to pass forward that was too costly for him to pay. I wonder in your life, if you've experienced that, I wonder if you've gone through things, you've experienced hurt in your life, and you feel like God's asked you to extend blessing, but as you counted the cost, it was too high to pay. Inevitably, it happened. Y'all, I saw it go up to 30, 40 cars before, but inevitably, at some point, it was always the same. Black coffee, huge order of Frappuccinos behind them, right? 
Inevitably, somebody considered the cost too high to pay, and they break. They broke. They braked. They braked that blessing chain. That's the quote for Instagram. Ramsey, write that down. <laughs> Break that chain. <laughs> okay. Here's the interesting thing. Go in, and, and if you study the Levitical law, God had called the Israelites to practice Sabbath, right? We're, we're familiar with that. But there was something written into the Levitical law called the year of Jubilee. It's called the year of release, the year of the Lord's favor. And the way that this worked is every seven years, the people of Israel were supposed to have a Sabbath year. We have a Sabbath day, but every seven years, they were supposed to have a Sabbath year and rest the land. Every seven Sabbath cycles, Sabbath year cycles, all right, if you track with me, that's 49 to 50 years, depending on who you're talking to, they were supposed to have something called the year of Jubilee. Y'all, the year of Jubilee is amazing. It's one of the most amazing things in all the scripture. The year of Jubilee, all prisoners were to be released. All debts were to be forgiven. (laughs) Think about that. Your student loans, all land that had been sold by families was to be returned back to the family of origin. It was an amazing thing that God had commanded and graced the Israelites with. Let's just pause for a second. Think about this. How much does the secular world around us hunger for what I just talked about? For debts to be released, for prisoners to be set free, for people who are captive to be liberated, for the oppressed to find justice. But here's the truth. Here's why it never works. People in our secular world want the realities of the kingdom, but they don't want the king. And here's what happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they were supposed to do this, but they never did it. Why? Because at some point, somebody considered the cost too high to pay, and it broke down trust within the community. If you go back and you study the exiles, uh, Jeremiah prophesies and speaks to them and says, because of your failure to keep the year of Jubilee, you're going to be exiled. Isaiah 61, what, what Jesus just referred to, was a promise that the year of, of Jubilee would, would come. But let, let's go back. Go with me to Leviticus 25. Guys, this is at like the very end. Leviticus 25, verse 18 through 21. I, I, I just want to take a second. Before we get too far into this, we, we've got a lot of ground to cover. But if we don't understand Sabbath, if we don't understand the importance of Sabbath, if we don't understand the provision of Sabbath, the rest of this stuff won't make sense. So I, I found one of the easiest places for us to obey, but often we disobey God is in the area of Sabbath. For me, this past year, this has been one of the number one things that God has been reminding me on, ch- checking me on, uh, b- because here's the truth. A lot of times we feel like we just don't have enough time, right? So we work all seven days of the week. But have you heard of Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> they practice Sabbath as a business, and y'all, they are second to none in the fast food game, Right? Look, look what God promises, Leviticus 25, 18 through 21. He says, therefore, you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them, and then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit, and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? This is the Sabbath year. 
if we may not grow or gather crops. Think about the faith that that takes. Look what God says. He says, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that the crop will be sufficient for three years. Y'all listen to me. If we are willing to obey God in the area of Sabbath and release, I promise you he will rain down blessings on your life. And I don't just promise you. God promises right here in the scripture. But for some reason, they never experienced the fullness of it. They never truly had a year of jubilee. Now let's look at us, right? I wonder if there are areas in your life where you've held on to debt that you just couldn't release. Like you've held on to somebody else's debt. And I'm not just talking about financial debt. We could talk about that another time. I'm talking about relational debt. Maybe somebody you've just written off. <laughs> like they have failed you for the last time. You're like, that person is a fool. I'm done. You have bitterness in your heart towards them. Maybe somebody who has opposing political views as you. Don't tell me you haven't had a moment this year <laughs> where you've struggled with unforgiveness towards somebody who's had a different view than you. Yes. Maybe somebody made you feel rejected. Maybe somebody made you feel like a failure. Maybe somebody abused you. Like real deep pain. Maybe somebody didn't stand up for you when you needed them to. Maybe you loved someone and you trusted them and they cut you, they, they hurt you so deep. You can hardly bear to think about it or talk about it or worse, it's all you can think about and it's all you can talk about. What can be done about this pain that's so insidious, so woven to the fabric of who we are as humans in our world? Y'all, this is what Jesus is addressing in Luke chapter 4 when he says that the year of the Lord's favor is coming. He's saying, I have come for the solution for the pain. I have come to cover the deficit that you could never cover. I've come to be the solution for the hurt, and I've come to cover the cost. To those in prison, he says, I will release you. To those who are enslaved, he says, you will be set free, and I myself will liberate you. To those who are blind, he says, you will be healed, and I will heal you. And to all those of us who owe the ultimate debt of sin for our rebellion against God, a debt we could never pay, he says, I will cover the debt, and I'll pay for it at the cost of my own life. Listen, if, if we are Jesus' followers, if you're a Jesus' follower in the room, Luke chapter 4 is not just his mission statement, now it's your mission statement. This message of Jubilee, now think through the teachings of Jesus. Think about how he taught us to pray. Forgive us our what? Debts as we forgive our debtors. Look at, look at Matthew chapter 6. He talks all through in there about how we're supposed to release even financial debt. Sometimes we translate the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses, right? But it's this deep healing that Jesus wants to bring. Y'all, every teacher on the planet has taught moral teachings, right? They've taught us how we should treat each other, how we should forgive each other, all those sorts of things. Jesus is the only one who's come and said, I will pay the cost for all the sin of the world, and I'll invite you to be a part of this mission of reconciliation. We're going to talk about that more here in a minute. But Luke chapter 4, Jesus' mission statement. Any good organization has a good mission statement, right? A lot of times it's on the walls. This is his mission statement. 
It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now listen, if you're Jesus' follower, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate those who are imprisoned. I wonder if there is anybody in your life that you currently have in debt, that you currently have imprisoned, that you currently haven't forgiven. Y'all, we are never more like Jesus than when we forgive, but we're never more unlike him when we refuse to forgive. We're never more like Jesus when we forgive. We're never more unlike him when we refuse to forgive. You know, my main point is this, this morning, and we're gonna walk through what this looks like. Jesus has forgiven us, and now we're called to do the same. He has released our massive debt of sin, and now he's called us to release others. I find this is one of the most amazing, but one of the most difficult teachings and the teachings of Jesus, y'all listen. Point number one, forgiveness is not just what we do as believers, it's who we are as believers. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. Jesus has forgiven us, and now we can forgive others. Y'all, for me this year, you may remember, I've talked about a hundred times, what are my goals this year? I wanna be with Jesus, I wanna become like Jesus, and I wanna ask what Jesus would do if he were me. You know, Callie and I had a meeting the other day, or meeting, we had dinner <laughs> with some friends, and, and they were like, you guys, and this actually, like, I, I was surprised. They were like, you guys are just so good at letting things go, letting things roll off your back. How, how do you do that? And I didn't give a very good answer at the time, but I want to give a better answer now. I, I was caught off guard because I don't feel like we're, we're great at that. But I started thinking about it. It's like, man, how can we release people so freely? It's because God has released us, Right? We, we don't forgive out of our deficit. We forgive out of his overflow. St. Augustine said, only God can cancel debt and incur no loss. And y'all, we've been invited into that same tradition, that same truth. How amazing is that? I wonder if any of you guys, <laughs> during uh, the winter storm, anybody have a pipe bust in their house? Show of hands. Pipe bust. Be proud. Just, just us two. Anybody else? Well, good for you, all right? I spent the day where it was, it was negative what? Negative one or two? I spent 16 hours under my house. Jess and Maurice here can vouch for it. They came over at the end of the day, right? No, you came over the next day. And I whined all day. I wanted sympathy. I had a boo-boo on my knees from crawling under the house. But, yo, we had a three-inch pipe come unseated underneath our house, all right? Now, not just any three-inch pipe, a three-inch sewage pipe. And praise God, our heat did not work. What do I, why, why would I say that? Our heat was not working, and that's why I crawled into the house. And by the Lord's infinite mercies, it had come unseated that night, and we had not used the toilet yet, all right? So I'm down there under the house. There's like a little bit of sink water because we'd left our sinks dripping. But y'all, if I hadn't found that pipe, we would still be pouring sewage underneath our house, right? And it wouldn't be till it gets good and warm <laughs> that we'd smell that sewage. And then I would not crawl under there. I would call an expert and pay whatever, whatever they want, whatever you want. Just take care of it. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going out of town for a while. Uh, y'all, y'all, here's the truth. Unforgiveness is a three-inch pipe in your life that is pumping sewage into your life. 
It is undermining your spiritual life. It is separating you from God. If you're struggling in your connections with God in life, there may be unforgiveness. The scripture says, and it's, I hate this verse. I can say that. I hate this verse. It says, if you don't forgive others, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. Yo, I don't know how else to reconcile that. Maybe, Austin, you can come up here one of these days and, and teach on it more. But, yo, if, if we refuse to be like Jesus at his most core tenet, <laughs> listen, I don't care who you are. If you say you don't need forgiveness, you're not a Christian. I don't need forgiveness, <laughs> right? It is who we are. If at the core of our worldview is somebody who hung on a cross for people who hated him, people who spat at him, they hung him naked on a tree, we are called into that same tradition, y'all, and it's beautiful, but it's difficult. And if you're experiencing distance from God in your life, it's a good time to look and see, is there small, are there small areas where you have unforgiveness in your life? So how do we deal with this? Number one, if you're taking notes, we got to relinquish our rights. Number one, relinquish your rights. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Y'all, sometimes laying down your life doesn't just look like serving. It looks like forgiving. It costs you your rights. Y'all, just because you have the right to something doesn't mean it's right. I, I, I think one of the most undermining things in our faith is something called justified unforgiveness. Like, you can justify it, all right? Your friends are telling you you don't have to forgive them. Everybody's telling you how terrible they are and how right you are in this bitterness is growing into the soil, into the fabric of your life. We have to lay down our rights because Jesus laid down his rights. We have to lay down our rights to forgive others because Jesus laid down his rights as the son of God to forgive ours. Let's be honest, y'all. When somebody's wronged us, it feels good to talk about their failures. They're so lazy. <laughs> Don't like to work hard. They think they're so great, and they're not. Did I mention they're lazy? Feels good. They're dramatic. They're so immature, unlike me. Because that's what you're saying, right? When you're saying they're lazy, you're saying, I'm not. They're, they're lazy. I, I, at least I'm a hard worker, you know. They're immature. At least, at least I'm mature. What is that? It's pride. You know, one of the number one rights that we have to lay down if we're going to forgive other people is the right to our pride. But here's the best news. When we lay down our pride, we get to take up humility. Look what it says in Proverbs 22, verse 4. It says, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Yo, when we humble ourselves, we lay down our pride, and we take up humility. We forgive other people. It leads us to forgiveness. costs us pride, but it brings humility. So number one, we've got to relinquish our rights. Number two, we've got to respond to evil with good. Respond to evil with good. Luke 6, 27 through 28, it says, Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Yo, how can you tell when you've actually forgiven somebody? You're, you're able to pray for them. Like, you're, you're really able to wish for their good. Y'all, here's what I want you to do right now. Get out your phones. Because I don't know, we don't, we, we don't have any papers really for you to write on. Get out your phones. I, I want you to write down someone's name that you're struggling to forgive. 
And this week, I want to encourage you to commit to praying for that person every day. Asking for God to move in good ways in their life, in their homes, in their finances, in their relationships. Ask God to bless the person who's harmed you. Why? How can we do this? Y'all, this is the upside down way of Jesus. It's exactly what Jesus did. While we were at our worst, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us and he, provi- he provided a way for us. Y'all, you- you've heard it said, I think it was Alexander Pope who said, for, to, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Y'all, this is the way of God. So number one, we got to relinquish our rights. Number two, we've got to respond to evil with good. Number three, we've got to repeat this process as long as necessary. Repeat this process as long as necessary. Y'all listen, I, I know that some of you guys have gone through real trauma. You've gone through real trauma at the hands of somebody who's supposed to love you and somebody who's supposed to take care of you. Y'all, I, I can relate. I've shared this story a few times. He, he's now released me to fully share the story, and I've been careful through the years, but some of you guys know my story. I, I was a drug addict, um, dealt with pain pill addiction in the 2000s, all that stuff that got caught up in that well. Alongside of that, and I don't talk about this a lot, but I can now because God's healed him and God's done amazing things in his life. My dad was right there with me. Um, I, I had a pain pill addiction. He had a speed addiction. And while I was in rehab and while I was getting clean, he was getting worse. Um, and so I went back home, and um, he, he, I didn't know this, but he'd gotten into meth, and his mind was twisted, and he was out there. And somehow he, he began to believe that, that I'd betrayed him and that I'd hurt him. I hadn't, I hadn't done anything. You know, I, I was 18 years old at the time and um, got in the car with him, and he just takes off like a bullet out of town. I mean, going 120 miles an hour. And just talking erratically, and I'm, I'm kind of trying to calm him down. And we drive out in the middle of nowhere, and my father pulled a Colt 1911. He put it in my face, and he said, if you ever betray me again, I'll, I'll kill you. And if you know the story of the scripture, he said, you're my Absalom. Absalom is the son who betrayed King David. And in that moment, something just shattered, like just broke in me and took me home and made some more threats and just about what I could do with that information and um, really, really messed me up. And I I relapsed during that process. And um, my whole world kind of had come crashing down. I was in trauma. I was in pain. And it was in that process that I found my true identity as a son of God. I was sitting there with my best friend. We were on a missions trip. And I was like, dude, I'm just an addict. I'm always going to be an addict. He looked me in the eyes and he says, you're you are not an addict. That's not who you are. That's something you struggle with. You are a son of God. And that moment, that just broke off of me, and I experienced the forgiveness and the love of God like never before. And you know what one of the first things God asked me to do was to forgive and reconcile with my dad. And I can honestly say, this is God. This is not me. This is what God can do in your life. Yo, God can heal you. He can restore you. It wasn't a difficult thing to do. I messaged my sister. I said, hey, I want you to set this up because they were still talking. And uh, I was waiting for him. He came in. He just broke and he cried and we hugged. And you know what? Through my healing, what God did in me, God began to heal my father. The person who had brought me trauma, God used me to bring healing to his trauma. Because, y'all, here's the thing about parents. Here's the thing about people who hurt people. A lot of times they have hurt in their life. They have trauma you can't understand. Y'all, it is complicated. 
but we don't have to forgive. We don't have to do these things on our own. We can do these things in partnership with the Holy Spirit and the partnership with the goodness and with the grace of God. And y'all, here's what I know. Some of you guys in here have experienced real things like that. You gotta let the Holy Spirit lead you. You gotta let the Holy Spirit guide you in figuring out what that forgiveness looks like. You might not need to go talk to your person. You might just need to release your person internally. But let the Holy Spirit, let people around you. I didn't do that in a vacuum. I talked to people around me. They prayed, they sought God, and they said, you know what? He's not gonna hurt you. He was out of his mind. Well, let's go after him. Let's go after him. But as I got older, I had to reprocess that trauma. As I got older, you have kids. You have to reprocess that trauma, and I had to forgive again and again and again and again. Look, look what it says, and I'm gonna kind of close with this. Look what it says in Matthew 18, 21 through 22. It says, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Jesus said, or, or Peter said, as many as seven times. And he was acing it in his mind. He's like, seven times, my liege? <laughs> Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven times. You all listen. One of the biggest things, breakthrough for me, is at one point I saw a family member, another family member who was making mistake after mistake, and I said, God, when are they going to learn from their mistakes? When are they going to quit calling me when everything falls apart and just do the right thing? And the Holy Spirit gently said, what if I talk to you like that? What if every time you came to me with your pain, you came to me with your mistakes, y'all, God is not going to turn you away when you come to him. And, and my, my question for you or my, my encouragement for you today is could we become like him in efforting to offer that same forgiveness that we've been given to other people? Amen? So number one, we've got to relinquish our rights. Number two, we've got to respond to evil with good. Number three, we've got to repeat as long as necessary. And number four, we already touched on this. We've got to reconcile others. Y'all, forgiveness frees you to engage in the work of God. Forgiveness frees you to engage in the work of God. Y'all, the kingdom of Jesus is all about reconciliation. And we are called to demonstrate God's desire for harmony in the way we live. Paul explains it this way. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And listen to this. This is your part. If you're a Jesus follower and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. You know, a, a verse that follows right after this, you may be familiar with, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, God made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. Y'all, the righteousness of God is to reconcile a lost and hurting world that was an enemy to him on the cross, but yet he went anyway. That's the righteousness of Jesus. That's the righteousness that God has called us to join in with. That is the message that the world needs to hear. I want to read a quote to you that I read. Yesterday, as I was getting ready for this, it says, there can be no reconciliation without mercy. When we receive God's forgiveness but refuse to forgive others, it shows that we truly don't understand the heart of God. Listen, 
This next part, so good. He says, we're not merely called to be reconciled with God. We're called to join in the ministry of reconciliation. Don't miss this. Don't miss this part. (laughs) Don't miss this. That doesn't just mean allowing people to be at peace with God. It means allowing people to be at peace with you as well. The ministry of reconciliation is not just telling people that they can be at peace with God. It's telling people they can have peace with you. Y'all, this is what a community of Jesus followers should look like. We forgive people. We walk with people. We love people. How many times? Not seven times, but as long as it takes to see God heal them, to see God redeem them, and to see God move in their life. Y'all, this is the invitation of Jesus. He says, if you do things my way, the way the Apostle Paul says is foolishness to the world, Jesus says, I will rain blessing down on you. I will make up for the lack that you have. You'll experience the fullness of his favor. The debt that you release, God will abundantly provide for. The cost you pay to forgive your brother will pale in comparison to the cost he paid to forgive you. Yo, listen, God's grace is sufficient for you. I know in some ways this is a heavy message, but listen, there is life on the other side of unforgiveness. And so here's my question for you. Where do you need to pay it forward? Where do you not need to reach into your own pocket to cover that $63 of Frappuccino when you only had black coffee? But where do you need to reach back and reach into God's riches of mercy and grace and ask him to heal you as you forgive and release other people and that by his goodness and his grace, he might forgive and redeem and heal and reconcile them as well. This is the message of Jesus. This is the mission of the church. And this is our call as Christians. Amen. I want to pray for you. God, I thank you for all that you've done so far in us as a community here in Little Rock. We know that we're going into a fun year of just rebuilding, God, of of reclaiming land, of reclaiming ground. God, I pray that you'd show us the areas where we just need to release. Y'all, as you're sitting there, I just want you to think through that. What are the areas where you need to release somebody? Who, Who in your life have you kept in debt and you've broken the chain of jubilee, of release, of God's favor, that he's called you to move forward? As you think through that, I, I want to read the scripture to you. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul asked God for help removing some pain in his life. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. You know, God is at his best when we're at it, our worst, but we trust him in that moment. And so for you, if you've got somebody in your life, all heads bowed, all, nobody looking around, you just need to release them. You know you need to release them. I just want you to slip your hand up. I see you, I see you, I see you. Anybody else? Just God's been bringing somebody to mind. I see you, I see you. It's what he does. Y'all listen, some of you guys may need to forgive somebody in this room. Some of you guys may need to forgive somebody who's sitting next to you. God's faithful. He makes up for the lack. And he brings his goodness and he brings overflow. Amen. God, I thank you for all that you've done. God, we thank you for all that you're going to do. 
It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said. Hey guys, Pastor Bronson here. Just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.